0: All right, we are going to start into uh, the message this morning. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking about worship. Go figure, right? <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about relentless worship and what that means. Um, you know, really, uh, Aaron asked me to, to go and, or to, to come and, and to, to um, bring a message on worship this morning. And I, um, leading up to this, this point, have been struggling the past few weeks to really come up with a message on worship. Even It's really weird, because I'm the worship pastor, and I should, should be able to do this well, easily, right? Uh, but there are just so many different passages in the Bible, so many different passages, different books and, and, and chapters and verses that talk about worship and, and what worship is in our life. Um, and so it 's been a little difficult for myself to to figure out which which one I wanted to to pick out, and as I was telling a couple people uh, in between services, you know, I would you know figure out what I want to talk about, and God was like nope you 're not going to talk about that <laughs> and then again, I, I thought about you know going and talking about elisha and his life and and I was really excited about, it and God was like nope you 're not going to talk about that either so <laughs> I have a message for you this morning that has been um, uh, tweaked and, and um, changed many times. Um, but I hope you, hope you enjoy it. Um, I'll say before I start that, that I, I'm not going to be talking about singing, all right? Um, because even though singing is worship, um, you know it's, it's only a form of worship. It's a great form of worship. It's awesome that we can all gather together as a body of Christ on Sunday morning and that we can, together as a church family, worship and praise uh, God through singing. Um, but biblical worship is more than singing. Um, it's bigger than that. I'm not going to stand up here and go over music theory with you guys either, because that would bore you to death. <laughs> I like music, but music theory classes were a little boring, I have to say. So, um, but I, you know, I'm not going to be talking about uh, much of the musical aspect, but I am going to be talking about worship, because worship is big, and it, and it, it's, it's uh, what I've studied really for over four years, throughout my college years, um, through 2008 and 2012. If some of you guys don't know, I went to Indian Westland University, which is right in the center of uh, Indiana, really. And um, I, studied, I studied worship for um, over four years. Um, and uh, so I have a degree in worship ministry, and I have a degree in pastoral ministry. And for some reason, my mic is doing weird things, but that's okay. Um, and But despite what all you might think of what a worship degree may be, um, I, it actually has little to do really with music. I did a music track, so I had some music classes and things like that. I, I studied under a lot of good music professors. Um, I was in the university, university chorale, which was a big choir that we had traveled all over the United States, went to Florida and California and, and, uh, different places like that. And, and, um, uh, did a lot of music in college, but my primary study wasn't music, it was, it was worship. And, and I took classes on spiritual discipline and inductive Bible study and philosophy of worship and church rituals, worship history, church history, things like that. And so a lot of study on what worship means for the church and um, how, how it has progressed, what, what, look, what it looks like in centri- from centuries and centuries and centuries until now. Um, so, with all that being said, worship is more than just music. When we get down to it, um, even though it's difficult, because when we look at it today, worship is a lifestyle. Worship is, is bringing God into our life and pursuing Him daily. And that's difficult. It's not easy to, to do that. You know, things come up in our lives and, and, and we shake our fists at God, and, and it's, it's hard to worship in the times that we uh, don't want to, to really. Um, acknowledge God because we don 't think he's he 's really there for us, and so it 's difficult but it but it is straightforward and and God lays it out uh, right in scripture and so I want to get started, but before we do we 're going to have um, our memory verse this morning, and so it might work yep there we go our memory verse um, we 're going to be in Colossians today and our um, we 're going to be in Colossians three one through five so our memory verse there's two verses out of the uh, entire five verses that we'll be studying out today. Um, but Colossians 3.2 um, says this, and let's say it together. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you die, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we're going to start off by um, looking at a few verses in Jeremiah, and then we're going to come back and we're going to look um, at our Colossians passage. So um, the verses we're going to look at in Jeremiah is uh, Jeremiah two. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. And Jeremiah two is on page five twenty three. If you have one of our Bibles, um, if you don't have a Bible, feel free to pick one up. Uh, they're right uh, back there on the bookshelf. Um, if you don't have a Bible, if you want a Bible, go ahead and take it home. It's our gift to you. Um, but we're going to be in Jeremiah five or uh, Jeremiah two. On page 523, and then um, we're going to go to Colossians uh, in a little bit. So I will turn there too, because I still have not bookmarked it, even though I realize I didn't bookmark it for service. Yeah. All right. In verse 12, I'll read it to you guys Be appalled at this, you heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And here in, in, in Jeremiah, um, you know, Jeremiah is, is a prophet. He's speaking God's word to the people. And, and God says this. He says, he says um, creation is to be appalled and shudder in great horror. For my people have committed two evils. It says they, they have forsaken me and they have made me, basically they have made me an afterthought. You know, when you think about today, we, we have made God our secondary thought at best, right? We keep putting things above him and in, in front of him. And not only that, it says, it says they keep digging these old dusty cisterns, choking on them to try to satisfy themselves. All the while, God, God is saying, I'm, I'm giving you this eternal living water. And we see that that, that just means that in our life today that we, we don't keep God first. You know, we fill our lives with stuff. We want to get the new thing. We want to do the new, the new best thing. All to satisfy our hunger for a deeper need. You know all the creative order it says is appalled, which is an interesting phrase, and it, it, it says that um, you know, um, sorry, it, it, you know when you look at creation, you see uh, you see especially. I mean, we live in the mountains, right? I grew up in Indiana, so you look at creation and all you see is sky because everything's flat. But you look here and you see you see the mountains, and and you can look out you look out your window in the morning, and and it. And, you know, it's, it's hard not to feel in awe, just in awe of who God is, the greatness and of, of the enormity of, of who God is. And, you know, we sometimes forget how fragile we are, how small and fragile we are on this earth. Um, you know, we, we do everything in life to better ourselves, we do everything to better our, ourselves, our families, and and we miss it. We miss the, just the glorious splendor of who God is. Um, you know, scriptures say that everything was created by him and for him and through him. You know, everything on this earth was created for God's glory. Um, and everything will, in the end, glorify God. And even those who hate God, even those who rail their fists at him in anger, um, and turn away from God, will serve his purposes. It, say, um, it says in, in, in Scripture that everyone will glorify him. You will either glorify him by, be, by being a trophy of his grace, or you will, glorify be, uh, you will glorify him by being an object of his justice. But in the end, you will glorify God. So even the most hardened of hearts, in the end, will give glory to the name and the power and the justice and the goodness and the righteousness. Of God. Now, despite the fact that we are all guilty of this, we're all guilty of, of putting ourselves above God, putting things above God, uh, putting the creation above the creator, despite that fact, God is gracious and, and is merciful and mighty, and, and he's quick to save, and he's slow to anger and abounding in love. We learn all of these things about God through Jesus Christ, right? Through Jesus Christ in the gospel. Um... So uh, it's it's important to know that even though that we are sinners, um, we have been saved by grace. Well, now that you all feel bad about yourselves, right? Uh, we want to go to Colossians 3, um, and let's just turn there uh, together. We won't read it yet, um, but we will in a few minutes. Um, you know, this is a pretty convicting message. I was convicted myself when I started actually uh, uh, going through this and, and studying it out, and and um, and uh, reading uh, Colossians, um, but we're in Colossians three, and Colossians um, actually has four chapters, so it's pretty easy to read. And I challenge you guys to read um, Colossians, um, may- maybe even this week if you have time. Um, set aside some time to read Colossians, in a couple a couple hours if that. Um, set aside set aside a time to read, maybe um, uh, in the mornings or in the evenings. Um, but Colossians um, is written by Paul, and Paul's letters. If you ever read Paul's letters, you'll notice that there um, is um, a similarity in all of his letters, and the fact uh, that there is similarity in the structure. A lot of he says um, some of the same things in his letters, but it, the structure is also very similar. And we see that most of Paul's, on pretty much all of Paul's letters, the first part of his letters talk about God. Um, Uh, they talk about God's nature. They talk about who God is. And they also talk about the gospel. They talk about what that means. And then there's a transition in his letters. And then from there, he talks about the application. He talks about what it means to behave like a Christian. Um, and, And so the verses that we're looking at now in Colossians 3, 1 through 5 are kind of that transition. Kind of the transition between who God is And what we're to do about it. What we're to do about if we believe in him, if we are a follower of him. And so, um, you know, we need to get this understanding of why uh, Paul kind of writes this way. uh, That he talks about who God is, what our our faith is, and then how we are to follow. Uh, Because a lot of people, um, you know, get the behavior thing before the gospel, right? A lot of people believe that if we clean up our lives, uh, then they'll be right with God. But we must understand that that love for Christ brings brings about transformed lives. Not necessarily transformed lives doesn't necessarily bring about our love for Christ. Um, It is God alone who justifies and and who makes us right before himself in Christ. So um, you have done nothing, or you can offer nothing um, to him that in the end will make things right, what you made wrong. So we're going to read. Colossians Colossians three says since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So when I read this passage I see I see three things in here. Um, regarding worship, I see that the first thing is that our worship should be a genuine affection for God and when I talk about this genuine affection, a lot of people go to that like mountaintop experience or I think of that church camp experience when I was young um, that you know you have these goosebumps and and you you feel just the presence of God and and um, and you just can 't help. But, but praise and worship him, right? Um, but, uh, you know, I think affection is a, is a little deeper than that. When we have a genuine affection, we understand that um, God first loved us, and that because of that love, because of that sacrifice, uh, we have that affection for him. Uh, you know, um, I lost my place, sorry. So, if you have that mountain top experience, if you're there right now, that's awesome. Um, it's so awesome. Uh, but I want you to know that the normal Christian does not stay there. All right. Um, you know, we even see in the Bible, no one in the Bible, no Christian in the Bible stayed there. You know, even David, a man after God's own heart, um, he had trials and, and and stuff in his life. He's running from the king. He's hiding in these caves. You know, he had times in his life where he was praising God, but he also had times in his life where he didn't see God. He, he, he um, doubted God, and he shook his fists at God. You know, if you read the Psalms, you see all these writings of David. And um, I challenge you guys to read, that, uh, read the Psalms as well. And, and a lot of us don't want to read the Old Testament because we don't think it's as ap- applicable, but it is. Read the Psalms. It's a great book. Um, you know David a man after God's own heart he poured out his heart um to God in lament right he he was a real human like you and i and and with raw um real feelings and um you know take a look take a look at what he writes in the psalms and you know everyone um every one of us has um, the times in our lives where we really question and we really just shake our fists at God and say, God, where are you at? I don't see you anywhere. You know, my life is, you know, just, it's, it's in shambles. And, and I don't see you answering any of my prayers. And we say, where are you, God? And you see, this is where emotion fails us. Because if we root our love for God on emotion, then instead of who he is and what he has done for us, um, then we fall apart. You know, affection is a seriousness about following God. And it's a genuine desire to submit and to walk in, uh, with God, uh, with the God of the universe. Um, this type of affection for God doesn't, doesn't just show up on Sunday, right? It doesn't just show up on Sunday and go away during the week. This is something that stays with you through the hard times in life, through the good times in life, through, through deaths on this earth and through lives on this earth. Even through life's struggles and punches, if we if we hold on to this affection for God, we will be able to make it through because it's not about our circumstances. You know, if we have this affection for the Lord, our relationship with Christ will define how we view our circumstances, instead of our circumstances defining how we view our relationship with Christ. And I'll say that again. Our relationship with Christ will, will, will define. Will define our circumstances, instead of our finding how we view our relationship with Christ. And the second thing is um, that worship, see this in, in, the, in the scriptures, that worship is a relentless action in light of the gospel. And um, we see that in verse 1 where it says, set your hearts on things above. In verse 2 it says, set your minds on things above. In verse 5 it says, put to death therefore whatever belongs to you or to your earthly nature. You know, we have to be intentional. We have to sacrifice. We have to strive. We have to, we have to pursue God. Um, you know, we must seek the things that are above instead of seeking the things that are on earth. Um, you know, Paul tells us not to seek things of this world. You, know, you see, this is, this is um, a reality for for many Christians that, that we are a Christian and we use Jesus to get things. And we use... Um, Jesus to get stuff and, and we want him to give us give us things and, and sometimes the things aren't bad I mean um, sometimes we, we ask him for a job a new job we ask him for health um, in our family for mended relationship with our wife or our husband um, these aren't bad things but when we ask these things and we don't get an answer we feel betrayed for something Jesus didn't follow through on and in the end we take these things that we ask from God and things we ask God to do for us and we lift them in importance above God. Uh, when we do this, we set ourselves up to feel like we've been betrayed because um, God doesn't answer us. But the thing is, we haven't. You know, he, he doesn't always answer yes to our prayers. Whether we realize that uh, uh, or not, uh, we must realize that in reality we've been given all that we need, and, and all that Christ promises, or all that God promises us, which is Himself. Um, and and really, as a Christian, um, as a follower of Christ, that should be enough, even if things don't go our way. Um, you know, if we Go through the motions of Christianity and pray because we want stuff, and and um, pray because you know we, we want God to do things in our lives. Then, then um, we really aren't worshiping the God of the Bible. You know we are we're worshiping and praying um, to ourselves some of the times because you know we have this selfish motives. Right? We we want things to work out in our lives, and we want God to bless us and bless us and bless us. But when He doesn't, we get angry. And, and 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 God knows our heart. And so when we pray for those things with a heart of selfishness, you know, we we really aren't praying to him, we're praying to ourselves. Now we all know that it's not bad to have stuff and, and there are things that are intrinsically wicked, but but we are intrinsically wicked. We have a sin nature, right? Everything about us, um, you know, Jesus lived a perfect life, but I challenge you guys to live a sinless, perfect life, all right? We have a sin nature. Um, and and we take these things that are good and that God has blessed us with, stuff that God has blessed us with, and we put them above God. And, and this is where we have a problem, right? You know, a mark of Christian maturity is this. It's, it's when someone comes to God and says, God, I have failed you. I, I have put stuff above you. And... Um, and Lord, you know, uh, I can't believe I failed you again. But I also I can't believe you love me. Thinking like this leads to greater worship, and, and more affectionate and intimate worship towards God. You know, because Jesus paid our debts and our debts in full. We can never repay. We can never repay that what He's done for us. So this all brings me to my third point. Here, um, that worship has eternal implications, and so for this, I'm going to do something a little different. And I've I don't usually use a whole lot of analogies, even though I like to. So I found this one. It's actually not mine. I wish I could take credit for it, but it's not mine. A guy, um, a pastor, actually, well-known pastor. Um, does this analogy? His name's Francis Chan, and you might have seen this before, um, but he gives a great analogy on eternity. And so, as we talk about worship has eternal implications, I want to bring this rope out and I want to show you what it means um, in our life. Um, and so, pretend with me that this rope goes on forever, all right? It really ends in the back room, but use your imagination. Pretend with me that it goes on forever, all right? Um, now, imagine that this rope. Is a timeline of your existence, and this little red spot here is a t- is is your life on this earth. All right, you know what's crazy to me is that most of us think about this little red part. All right? we we uh, can't wait until we can get here. Right, or we're going to work really 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 hard for this long so we can really enjoy this little part right here. Right, and and. and you know, a lot of us are consumed with this mentality that, that you know, I'm going to travel, I'm going um, to eat right, I'm going to do things here um, during this part so I can really enjoy it. And, and what I'm saying, I'm, I'm looking at the, this rope and I'm saying, are you kidding me? Because you have this entire rest of your life. You know, what about it? What about this? And what about this stuff here? You know, it's crazy to me because the bible says what i do during this little red part determines how i'm going to exist for the rest of this for millions and millions and millions of years forever so why would i spend this little red part making my my myself feel as comfortable, comfortable as possible enjoying myself as much as i can you see paul says he says this he says that i am going to live this life for this mission says, I'm going to spend my life and invest my life for the moment I cross that finish line. Because once I face God, I can't have this chance on earth again. So there are new do-overs. We get one chance. This little red spot. This little red spot on this eternal rope. You know, people look at different um, Christians, uh, maybe even radical Christians who leave everything behind, look at missionaries and say, how could you live your life that way? Because what you do will affect this. And you realize that you're going you're gonna to spend your entire life in a third world country. What are you doing with your life? Or, or um, um, you know, how could you uh, follow Christ in this way when you know that it's going to affect the rest of your life? But I think of that, you know, uh, I think of that and the people who, who who look down upon Christians for following Christ, and I say, you know, you know, I think about how crazy that they are for not seeing the whole picture. You know, that yes, it, it may affect their life here, but what you're doing right now will affect the rest of eternity and where you end up. Um. But everyone's that way, you know. Everyone, everyone lives for this part. Um, you know, I, I live, <laughs> I, I, like I said, this is a very convicting message for myself. <laughs> I live for this part a lot, I've noticed. when um, we don't seek the millions and millions of years after. But Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I'm not going to do that. He says, I'm going to use all I have for God's glory. And like a runner running to the finish line, sprinting to the finish line, I will use every muscle exerting everything about me because I'm going to pass this finish line well. Now, is this your view of following God? Is this my view of following God? Is this your view of worship? Because we all worship something. You know, uh, we, we need to understand the eternal implications of our worship because we all worship something. It's either we worship, we worship God or we worship something else. Or, you know, sometimes we can worship ourselves because we put ourselves above God. But if you've been raised in Christ, if, if uh, this, these are Paul's words for being a Christian. If you are a Christian... There should be a seriousness in you about the things of God. So my question to you today is, are you genuinely pursuing him? Are you chasing him? Are you growing in him? Or are you, or are you chasing and pursuing the things of this world? Is your mind on him? You know, it's really easy to come to church and, and to tell the pastor, yeah, my mind's on him. Of course it's on him. And, and, but my question is, is how, how is your mind on him? How, how is your mind stirred up in affection for God? How is it, how, how is your relentless action for him seen in your life? Do you know what your eternal implications will be, how, of how you're living your life? Um, and obviously you don't have to answer those to me. You just answer those uh, to yourselves but on a day-to-day basis, what are, what are you doing that sets your minds on things above? If your answer is nothing, then I'd really have to wonder what you're really looking at, what you're really chasing after, what you're really staring at. And, and I think you would really have to stretch your case if you say you're, you're seeking after Christ and, and you don't have an answer to how you're truly doing it. So this is my challenge to you guys today. I, I challenge you guys to look at... Um, uh, what we just talked about um, about um, uh, what worship actually is and and um, you know it 's a convicting message for myself <laughs> um, and uh, i I think it is a message that that God wanted me to bring today and and so um, you know before we before we end, I want to pull out the connection card, and there are a few things that I want us to commit to. Uh, this, today, if you um, would like. The first one, obviously, is to memorize that Colossians verse, Colossians 3, 2 through 3. Um, if you want to do that, uh, there's a memory verse card in your bulletin. You can pull that out, put it in your pocket, do whatever you want to it uh, uh, this week, and, and um, continue to, to read through that and to memorize that this week. Another thing is you can read Colossians, and uh, it says read Colossians 3, but I'm going to tell you to mark that off and read the entire thing. All right, read Colossians. Uh, it's not that big of a book. And uh, read it this week and see if you can get through it. Um, it's a great, uh, great book, convicting book. Another thing you can do as part of your worship this week is um, pray for someone. Be intentional. Pray for someone this week to show Christ's love to. And I firmly believe in the power of prayer. I firmly believe that if you pray to God and ask Him, For something, you better be serious about it, because it probably will happen. Especially if it's something you're not really, you know, you don't really want, really, but you know you should. If you pray, you better be serious about it, because he'll bring it. So pray for somebody. Pray for somebody that you can share God's love to. You know, God. God says that, uh, you know, we need to share His love to others, just as He, just as He loved us. We need. We. I mean, we don't deserve His love at all. And so let's, uh, let's, just share, let's share his love to others this week. Another thing, the fourth thing we can do is commit to, to God to um, give him our relentless and unending worship. And um, we talked about our, our relentless worship. Um, and we think about relentless. We think about what that means. When I, when I hear the word relentless, I hear don't back down. No matter what. Whatever life throws at us, whatever the devil tries to do to trip us up, we will not back down. We will be relentless in our worship. I like that first song where it says, I will praise the Lord even to my dying breath. That no matter what, we will not, we will not relent. We will not back down, and we will follow God to the end. And so, uh, pray for God to give you the passion to do that, and commit to him um, if you would, this week, um, to, to be relentless in your worship. So we're going to pray together, and after we do, we're going to have the offering. And so um, if you want to fold this up, you can put it in the offering as it comes past um, with your tithes and offerings, and that, that can be a form of worship for you guys this morning as well. So let's all pray together. God, you are everything. Lord, you are powerful. You are mighty, you are self-sustaining, you are just, you are righteous, you are merciful. And we worship you not because you need our worship, Father, but because you desire it. Lord, we worship you because you desire a closeness with us. And you want us to follow you with everything we have. Like Paul says in 1 Corinthians You want us to run this race of life with with all that we have so that when we get to that finish line we we can know that we have done all that we can to further your kingdom. Lord, give us strength to do that. Put the desire in our hearts to worship you every day no matter what. Help us to follow through on, on our commitment to you when we became Christians, when we became followers of you. That word Christian, little Christ, Father, may we represent it well. May we live up to that name. We give you the honor and the glory and the worship that we worship you this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name.